0: been missing church that's probably a really good thing that you've been missing church because deeper than just missing our friends and so forth there's probably a deeper reason why we need to be at church and why we need to be gathered as Christians without the church we may not be Christians and I'm building a case for this consider this quote from the highly respected scholar Simon Chan Simon Chan writes this We are not saved as individuals first and then incorporated into the church. Rather, to be a Christian is to be incorporated into the church by baptism and nourished with the spiritual food of the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. Failure to understand this fact has led to a reduction of the church's role to a largely sociological one of a service provider catering to individual believers' needs spiritual needs. Simon Chan. Dig into that for a moment. Chan's making the case that we may not be Christians before we enter the church. And that might be really astounding to most of us. But instead, we are Christians when we are baptized and when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Otherwise, what happens is, is we simply become a sociological service provider catering to people's spiritual needs. All of us are used to thinking that we become Christians first and then we go find a church, right? And it sure always feels that way. It's felt that way to me. If I didn't know better, though, I would have said then that Simon Chan is just a Catholic theologian and he's trying to convince everybody that they need to return to the Catholic Church and go to Mass. But that's not the case. Simon Chan is actually a Chinese Pentecostal who teaches at a Lutheran seminary in the Philippines who advocates that the church needs to return to its original catechism way back in the first century. Far from Catholic is Simon Chan. He goes on to say that the church is not something that we do, but the church is something that we are. I believe Chan is absolutely correct that if we believe the church is basically a social services provider, then the church has simply become another big box store catering to an individual's personal, private, spiritual wants and needs. And that's not the church. Now, if at this very moment you're saying, you know, that Dr. Dan guy, he always quotes some heady weirdo theologian that nobody really understands, and I end up scratching my head about. So I'm just going to fast forward and see if there's some more good music on this uh, video. And if they are doing that, then I think I've made my point that we're just catering to people's spiritual needs. Please don't take it too wrong, but it is a pointed comment. Brothers and sisters, we don't just miss church. We are the church. We need the church to be Christian. We need the church to be Christian. Without the church, we are not Christian, for the church is the Holy Spirit presence of the body of Christ. That is the church's essence, that's its identity. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the foot cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Here, here let's read Paul together for ourselves here. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And then he skips ahead. As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Listen to Paul here, everyone. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And right there is the kernel and the basis of Simon Chan's comment that we cannot be Christians without the church. In one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. That's how we belong. One spirit baptizes all of us into the one body. This isn't just some lofty theory by some heady weirdo theologian. This is as practical as it gets We need each other to be Christian. To be in Christ is to be gathered together as the body of Christ. And that's why we're missing church. This is our calling. We are called to be with Jesus. To be, if you might want to put it this way, to be inside Jesus, inside the body of Christ. To be one. That's the church. Why am I saying all this? Well, it's simple because we're all missing church. My point is is that we just might be missing it for some missing it for some really, really deep reasons, some really, really thick reasons, some very, very powerful reasons. But what we're missing then isn't just all the good stuff that we all like so much, all the favorite things that we like to do. It really could be missing for the very deepest reason that we feel like we are not. Christian, at least not a complete Christian. We miss Christ. We miss Jesus. And maybe without knowing it, we feel like we miss Jesus because we can't see our friends. Jesus, in Jesus, we find each other. We see each other. With each other, we have the Jesus with skin on him. Each time we walk into the door and we say, how you doing, Scott? How you holding up, Caleb? Nice hair, Lori. How's the work, Taylor? How's your daughter, Darren? All this stuff is not just some sort of simple, mindless banter and, hey, how you doing type stuff. It may be, it may be the reconnecting of the body of Christ, the sinew and the ligaments finding their pull, pulling us together as one. So when crisis comes, then the body conquers. And when the Spirit calls us to mission, the body mobilizes. And when sadness falls upon us all, the body hugs itself and gathers and grieves. This is why the Benevolence Fund these days is doing so astoundingly well. Because all of us in our separation are trying to find our way to be together and to help one another. We are prepared to do it and we make it happen because we are the body of Christ. The body is making muscle and burning fat these days. That stuff we did on Easter with the rocks and the crosses and the gifts delivered all over town. That's the body yearning for its parts. It wants to come together. When Pastor Jack Leo in China would give anything to have what we sometimes feel incensed about, that 10 or more are gathering, Pastor Jack would love to have 10 people be able to gather Because it's the Holy Spirit calling Pastor Jack and his brothers and sisters together in China. They want together. We want together. We want to be together. We miss church, everyone. And it's beyond just friends. It's to be in Christ. That first church in the Acts of the Apostles uh, was, was called, and then it was called in, and then it was called out. That's what we have. You see, all of us are called by Christ. So you're also called inward to Christ, to be in the body. And that is to say you're called into the body of Christ then, the church. And so then you're called, you're called into Christ, and then you're also called out to the world. The church is called out to mission. So three things, you're called, you're called in, and you're called out. Three different directions. That first church then in Acts is called and called in and called out. Acts chapter 1 tells us really the whole story. And I have to tell you, I find this story just a little humorous. And I'll get to that in a moment. But Acts chapter 1, after Jesus is taken up into heaven, the disciples return to Jerusalem. And here we find the very first church. Acts Acts chapter 1, let's start in verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they would entered the city, they went into the room upstairs where they had been staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 11. There it is, gathered in the upper room and devoting themselves to prayer. Beautiful, holy people, impressed with what Christ had just done, and they're gathering together in prayer. That is the first church, the very first church instant we have. But then comes good old Peter, Mr. Activator Aggressive, and, uh, who oftentimes leaps before he looks. And he's clearly in charge, and he does something totally Presbyterian at this moment. They hold a vote. They vote to replace Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus and then killed himself. And if you have your Bible in front of you in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 through 26, it tells this totally churchy thing that Peter suggests that they do. You read the passage, and Peter is clearly just trying to organize something and get something going. And he really, if you read between the lines, like the way I'm doing it, you kind of get the idea that he doesn't really know what he's doing. But it sounds good. So, let's see. Jesus, Peter thinks, Jesus chose 12 disciples. Those 12 represent the new Jerusalem, the new normal, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. But now we're missing one, Peter thinks. Jesus is scared, It's gone. And so, we need to replace him to get back to what Jesus had started. And so, they're going to cast lots. They're going to take a vote and get that spot filled. And then... We'll have 12. So the Elders uh, Candidates Committee then proposes two upstanding brothers. There's Joseph Barsabbas and Matthias. And they cast lots, and it falls to Matthias. And so, whew, Matthias takes over Judas Iscariot's spot. And everybody's happy, and it's good, and we have 12 people. So I don't know about you, but I find that's real humorous, just to put it politely. The disciples just spent the last few weeks hanging out with the biggest event in human history, Jesus rising from the tomb, that death is dead, and then they hold a church business meeting? Ah, but the Holy Spirit's not just going to settle for a good Presbyterianism here at this point. By the way, we're Presbyterian, that's why I'm making fun of that. The Holy Spirit's not going to let it go down like that. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. that I can remember. Peter in the early church just went from being Presbyterians to being Pentecostals. Here's the Holy Spirit intervening intervening, and creating a crisis. And crisis always creates change. It always creates a new normal for us. You just can't vote in a tongues of fire experience in a church meeting. To this day, nobody can plan for this sort of thing. As a matter of fact, In my opinion, when modern day churches try to recreate and manufacture these sort of tongues of fire things, it just looks really fakey and sort of corny and doesn't really work. The Holy Spirit calls us out unexpectedly. It calls out the church to build a community, to be something authentic, to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're trying to do around Lakeland is to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We are called. We are called into the church and we are called out to mission. It is all driven by the Holy Spirit. Yes, we miss church. Yes, we miss the body of Christ. But the calling of God does never does, does not stop with us just gathering together. It sends us out. The body is called outward. We go out to share the gospel. The gospel becomes gossip more than a, more than just a, a propositional faith. As St. Francis said to in 700 years ago, he said, preach the gospel at all times, and if absolutely necessary, use words. Be the gospel. Embody the gospel everywhere you go. Share the gospel at all times. We are called out to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to till the soil of the world, and the seed of the gospel will be planted by those evangelists. And then the Holy Spirit causes the growth. Brothers and sisters, we are in a crisis right now. You know it, I know it, the whole world knows it. This pandemic, as tragic as it is, is still our calling, our wake-up call. To disrupt our good Presbyterian status quo and be called out, the pandemic is also is our crisis and it's also our calling. Even now, the elders and the staff are vigorously discussing how we're going to bring the body of Christ back together at Lakeland. We're trying to figure things out. We know this much. There is a new normal at Lakeland Community. Sometimes around June 1st, somewhere around there, we'll see how things go. We're going to be coming back together. We're not sure just when. What we understand about Rebooting Church is we understand this. One. Not everyone will be able to come back to church. There are some who just can't come for medical reasons and otherwise, or they just don't want to. Two, that a majority of the folks can't wait to come back, and there's going to be a whole bunch of people wanting to come back to Lakeland. And three, y'all can't come back. Not all together, all at once. We're not all going to be able to fit in here social distancing-wise, so we're going to have to figure out some kind of plan. So we got to split up the numbers. Worshiping distance, children's distancing, student distancing, entrance and exit distancing, restroom distancing, the whole thing is going to get figured out, okay? And we're working hard on it right now. There won't be any passing the peace where people are hugging and shaking hands and all that sort of thing, the way we used to do it. We're not really too sure about communion, whether or not that's going to happen right away. What we're going to do about the Lord's table, you know, I'm kind of in favor of wafers and squirt guns, but we're going to find out how it shakes out. We'll just see. I'm not sure. Nonetheless, we're going to figure things out and we'll figure out how we can all be back together. Right now, what we're working on most intently is live streaming Sunday morning. We probably should have done live streaming a long time ago. It seems like a really great idea now that we're into this, that we should have taken our message and our worship and everything that we have to offer out to the internet earlier. Probably should have happened a long time ago. But now in this crisis, This is our tongues of fire moment. This is when we actually change how we do Sunday morning in light of what the Holy Spirit's guiding us to do. This is how we respond. The crisis has made us keenly aware of those around us who are suffering and vulnerable, those with cancer, those who have immune deficiencies, those that are on the edge. It's made us keenly aware of those with illnesses. It's made us keenly aware of those who have lost their income and need a helping hand. It made us, it's made us keenly aware of, of who is weak in the body of Christ and who needs to be supported. This would not have happened, right, without this pandemic. Not to this intensity. We had it going on before, but now it's just right in front of our faces. And we have to respond. And we've been responding. So let's not ignore the calling because love always pays attention, and we've been called to a greater love. So let's get this done, everybody. We're going to see how it goes. So, what we need is everyone's positivity, their encouragement. We need everybody to accommodate and be good about it. Um, We don't need all chiefs and nobody working. We need a whole lot of people pitching in. There'll be a lot of teams probably that are going to be popping up that need to clean things and get things done and serve and so forth. So when the time comes and you're asked, then do what you've always done around Lakeland. Pitch in and we'll make this thing happen. Just one more thing. This Sunday, May, May 3rd, is one week before Mother's Day. Now, this Mother's Day Has got all sorts of capital going for it. It's got some good energy happening because I don't know if you've noticed it, but we've all kind of returned to some really what I'm going to call good old fashioned values. Like people actually eat dinner together, and that's why there's so much trash, and I can't get trash bags when I go to Price Chopper. But regardless of that point, I'm saying we're eating dinner together, people are playing games together, they're taking walks together. Families have have spent more time together in the last few weeks than they ever have in their entire history. And so May 10th is Mother's Day. And what I'm kind of asking you to do and what staff has even thought about is return to a good old-fashioned Mother's Day. I'm talking like homemade cards, homemade Mother's Day cards and buying flowers for your mom, you know, or something like that or whatever you need to do. But make it an old-fashioned Mother's Day. And do something good and, you know, craftsy, something that you come up with. Dads, help the kids figure this thing out. Aunts and uncles, grandparents, help everybody figure this thing out. You know, make it a traditional Mother's Day. Um, uh, For me, one of my best memories is always jumping on my bike and driving, uh, riding up to the greenhouse and getting my mom some petunias. And my mom loved petunias. As I've gotten older, I begin to wonder if she really liked petunias. Or if they were just the cheapest, least expensive flower, and she thought that was the only thing I could afford, and so she acted like she liked them. But I always got her petunias, and she put them in the same pot every year, and that was Mother's Day. So go old school. Try to avoid just sort of the store-bought stuff, you know, and that sort of thing, uh, and try and have an old-fashioned Mother's Day. And we just have all sorts of really good potential on this one, okay? So that's just coming on May 10th, so it's right here. So get busy, everybody. You got work to do, all right? Love and appreciate your mom because you just don't know uh, how the days will go. I say that as an old guy. Hmm. Well, I know you're uh, sitting there at home, but let's stand together and um, whisper along with me the Lord's Prayer, would you? Say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done